Monday, Thursday. The theme is the Last Supper. So if you've uh, been a Christian for a while, or you've been around Christian worship, the time when we gather around the God's table, we receive bread and wine. And this is something that Jesus uh, you know, began with his followers, and we do it still today. Uh, it's called Monday Thursday. You might know this. Uh, Monday is constant in the Latin, which Latin word magnetum, uh, command. And it comes from Jesus' command given to his followers, which you'll find at the front of your bulletin, little Bible verse there, where Jesus commands uh, his followers uh, to love one another. Um, what's interesting is that that Bible reading uh, rarely ever shows up in the actual readings for Monday, Thursday. Instead of um, when we reflect on love, we were given the Last Supper. It's worth exploring and understanding why, in order to define love, when we read this reading. Of course, we're in Holy Week, so we've been journeying with Jesus all the 40 days of Lent, but especially on Palm Sunday, each day, getting closer to crucifixion, and of course, Easter, the resurrection. But we're here right now. Jesus knows that he has to die. His friends. Well, they probably shouldn't know, but they don't, they don't pick up on all the messages Jesus gives, right? So they're, they're not sure. Maybe they're thinking he's a, some kind of political savior. He's going to change things for them in the now, in the way that they think. But instead, Jesus is teaching them how to love. And when it comes to thinking about love, I think as modern people, we have a certain vision of it. And the way we think about love is we think of behaviors. We think of how we act, right? So what does it mean to be loved? We were just talking about that before. So I trap you. I asked him this question. You tell me if I'm right. Uh, yeah, we think of uh, maybe being kind to one another. You had mentioned humility, right? That's real. Right? How I treat you. Maybe if we're close or intimate, when I pick up my children, when I hug them, my wife, how I treat my friends, even my closest friends. Actions, right? That's the, I think a very human understanding. I think that's, there's a place for that. I really do. But what Jesus is showing us in this moment with his friends, the last meal he has before he's, well, before he's lynched, before he's murdered, that showing of love and that dinner forces each one of us, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, when we talk about love, you're forced or you're compelled to ask the question, not what do I do to be loving, but who am I? Who am I? That's what Jesus is doing. Each one of them have to ask, who am I? And the Christian understanding if you follow Jesus, you're a person who knows that you have obvious feelings and limits. A person who doesn't always get it right, make mistakes. And sometimes the mistakes aren't just accidents, they're willful, right? A Christian is someone who begins to admit 
the complexity of what it means to be human. That yes, there are good actions that we may live into, good habits, kindnesses, but also recognizing and then admitting that each one of our goodnesses and kindnesses that we share with each other are often, if not always, laced with self-serving attitudes, selfishness, self-aggrandizement. Yeah. You can think of it for a moment, but I don't want you to go too deep, but just consider even this past week, actions that you've taken, that you feel these are good actions. And then try to consider your motivations for those. And I mean, really consider. Don't, don't stay the service, but just go deep, right? Oh, I visited this. I'll talk, I can't talk about you. I'll talk about me. I visited this person in the hospital. It's a good thing to do, right? But I also know it fulfills my job requirements. It also makes me seem like a good priest because I do that, right? Maybe it's growing my reputation in that person's heart, maybe even in their family. Maybe this leads to new opportunities. I don't know. That's real. It's hard to block that. I also care about this person. I hope that they're, doing, that they're on the mend. I'm glad they're on the mend. I hope they don't feel too lonely when they're isolated in the hospital. That's also real too. I see that in me, but I also see these other things. I'm confessing them now, but I, you know, and right with it day to day, I just want to keep that compartmentalized, that quiet part we don't talk about. But now in this moment, we're talking about being honest. And I have to say it. But that's all of us. I mean, I'm not that unique. I'm not that special. I'm very basic. It's a human thing. Okay. That's a Christian. Just admit that you're fallible. That's who you are. But at the same time, a Christian is someone who says, I'm loved by God. Jesus is my God, my King, my friend. Jesus has died for me on the cross to take care of that part of me that is so desperately interested in doing what's wrong. In the Christian world, we call that sin. It's a condition, the very center of what it means to be human, that more often not trips us up. When we want to do something good, we trip. We do that thing we didn't want to do. And enough of those actions create the tapestry of the human life. Before you feel too bad about yourself, I'm trying to do that. I'm not trying to knock you down, but I'm trying to show you when you see that in yourself, you start making sense of actually human history. Not only the, the local histories of our families, maybe our local communities, but you look at a landscape view of what it means to be human. As far as we have recorded history, it was the history of humans hurting other humans, of choosing to do the selfish thing when they could have been generous, choosing to take when they could have given, choosing to be miserly when they could have been generous, right? We exist in a world where billionaires exist. You ever think about that? Billionaires exist, and many humans live in housing insecurity. That's the, that's the world we live in. And we've been living in that world as far as we can look back. So it's a problem at the center of what it means to be human. It's not just to beat up on you because, oh, you're here, so I'm going to pick up on you or you. No, it's just all of us. Right? And Jesus says the solution for this is love. But it can't be solely behavior because your behavior is tainted with his brokenness. I mean, it's good that you want to do good. But it's always going to come off kind of gray in the end. It's not going to be fully what we need. Jesus, so Jesus then 
now that we're kind of seeing that picture, it's not, not nice to think about, I know. But now that we're holding this, right? Not to beat ourselves up, but just to be honest about who we are. Now we look back at Jesus sharing this meal. And now we can see now a little more what he's doing because, he's, because he says, breaks the bread. Hey, this is my body. Takes the cup. Hey, this is my blood. Right? Now these are very um, complicated statements. They're also very mystical. For some people, very off-putting. Right? For the first two centuries, uh, people thought that Christians were cannibals because they kept the meal secret. They didn't let people see what they were doing. They just talked about the body and the blood until the authorities investigated it. Like, are these people actually cannibals? And then you have a Roman letter saying, well, no, they're actually just eating regular bread and wine and talking about making promises to be good. That's all they did. It was very cute, actually. And then kill them, because they did. But we talk about that. In fact, in a few minutes, we're going to go up and have this body and blood. Now, why does Jesus do that? And why are we spending today some time to think about it? In the shortest terms, I hope it's a short, is God is giving us, Jesus is giving us what we could never give ourselves. Right? So we are trapped in um, space and time. We can't get out. We're trapped on this planet. We can't get out. We're trapped in these mortal bodies. We can't get out. Right? We're trapped by our biology. Tripping ourselves out. We're trapped. In fact, that you know what the word for trapped is? Slavery. We're slaves. The Bible says, when you sin, you're slave to sin. It's not uh, an accident, not that Jesus decides to have this meal during the Jewish Passover. Which you're familiar with ancient Judaism, even today, is the Jewish celebration, the remembrance of God rescuing them from slavery in Egypt. Right? So all the Jews. No more at that time were breaking bread, eating meal, remembering when God rescued them from slavery. And at that moment, Jesus breaks bread, gives wine to his friends, saying, Hey, eat this, my body and blood. Because that slavery that you're a part of, I'm going to free you. Because only this will free you, only I can. Because you see, if politics could free you, then I would have come as a politician. I would have enacted great policies that would have had equity and equality in the world. But that's not the answer, because he didn't do that, right? He didn't set up policies. Or if what's missing was a new philosophy, a new way of teaching, new science, then Jesus would have come and had all these textbooks, divine textbooks. Here, guys, new, new philosophies, new way of thinking. Get Plato out of here. Here it is. But he didn't do that, right? No, he came with his bread and the wine, his body and the blood. He's saying, because when you receive, you know what you do? In the usual course? Historically, Christians do this. It's just as how it is thought children receive food. This is why we do it. What Jesus is inviting us to is to remember, admit, really. Oh, you're limited. You're limited and you're weak and you need help. And it's okay to be broken. It's okay to need help. It's okay to need help. Because I'm God and you're not. I got the answer. You don't. You never had to have the answer. All you ever had to do was trust me. 
But from the beginning of your history, you chose not to trust me. The world has been broken. But instead of wiping it all away, I've come into your world in the person of Jesus, and I'm bringing you this bread and this wine, and I'm inviting you once again that you trust me. That's how I made you to do it. To trust me. Don't trust in your actions. Don't trust in your politics, your philosophy, your science. These are good things as far as they go, but they're not going to fix that part in your heart that breeds the hurt in this world. Need is my love. My love. Jesus. Right? My love isn't solely in the abstract. My love is tangible. You can taste it. You can drink it. Because Jesus is actually meeting us in our humanity, right? I mean, you can remember something if you read it in your mind, but if you read it out loud, you have a better chance of remembering it. If you're reading, you meet someone new and you say their name out loud and maybe touch their shoulder, even better way to remember. They're a physical creature, they're embodied. That's great. Jesus gives us his love, not only spiritually, but spirituality interwoven with the embodied. So that when we come to the table and we have the bread and the wine, his body and blood, in a way that I probably don't need to go into uh, mystical details right now, it's nothing you can trust that when you're eating it. God's Holy Spirit, His grace is coming into your life in a beautiful and special way. Strengthening you to love beyond your human capacity, beyond my human capacities. That's what's happening. So that when you have the bread and the wine, God's grace, God's Spirit in your life, you find that you can forgive those that you haven't learned to forgive. You find that you can be patient with those that really drive you. Right? It moves you to a kind of gentle silence and an embrace when you want to yell at that person and tell them how wrong they are. Right? It moves you to bite their tongue when you want to cut someone down in mixed company because they hurt you before. But to follow through with helping that friend that you don't really consider you're that close with, but you're going to help them move anyways. Right? And the list goes on. Now your actions have been transformed. They're not the center of who you are, they're what you do, but at the center of you, what love is, is the life of Jesus, his very self. And you don't have to understand all of it for it to be effective. I trust when my wife tells me I should eat the broccoli, it's gonna make me feel better. I don't know what happens when the broccoli comes in, I don't. But apparently it's good. All right, it makes me feel better. Unless you're a scientist, you can tell me. Okay, maybe not. Right? And if you talk to some theologian, not me, I'm not that qualified, they might be able to describe the details of how you have the bread and the wine that spiritually strengthen you. Okay. But you can just trust that today. That's fair enough. You, don't, you, know, you know what I'm saying? You can just trust what Jesus gave to his friends. He didn't describe all the details. He just said, eat this, trust me. Here's my love. And it works. Here's what you want. We know it works. I'm going to skip ahead. To, to wrap up. It works because when Jesus gave that meal to his friends, it didn't stay a symbol. When he said, this is my body and blood, a little later he was arrested and he was killed on a, on a Roman cross. And he cried out in agony. And his flesh was being torn. His nail, hands were pierced by nails. That's a terrible way to die. But if you've read any history, you and come to the conclusion that there are worse ways to die than this world. There are worse ways to die. It's horrible. The cross is horrible. There are worse. 
But we don't remember or celebrate the meal because he died his gruesome death in his physical body. But because when he was on the cross, he was also suffering spiritually. You see, because you and I, for all the mistakes and sins that we've done, accidentally or even definitely willfully, we don't deserve to be close to God at all. 